Welcome on in. Enswell Boxing. Ireland's boxing podcast. I'm Al Rich. Click on the link in the attached show notes. You'll find all our previous episodes. If you want to get in touch, suggestions, ideas, you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us at endswellpod at protonmail.com. Episode number 140. And yes, of course, you're welcome on in. In a week where we have seen uproar, downpour, outpouring. We've seen the BUI waive any fees for licenses held by Irish boxers. We've just had the announcement from the BBOC that boxing can resume in February. And how many times lately do we hear somebody say, I've come from nothing. And when you scratch the surface a little bit, it doesn't turn out to be quite so. Well, my guest this week left Slovakia many years ago with not much more than a dream and a hope of a better life. It, as it transpires, he found that better life here in Ireland. He boxed for Ireland all around the world. He is managing a very successful security company and he's just finished his degree course in business and about to embark on a bachelor's degree. All that while balancing a professional boxing career as well. There's no one else it could be other than Vladimir Beluski, and he joined me on Saturday to chat about all of that and would you believe me even more? Can't ignore her completely, drove straight down with the roof into Tijuana. About 50 people ran up to the car. I don't know what they were trying to do, but they were all over us anyway. As I said at the top of the hour there, it's hard to believe, episode number 140. Sometimes I think maybe that's not much, maybe there could be more. Sometimes I think, well, Jesus, how did we get that far? But the truth is, it's 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 a, it's a solid number. It's a solid number. As I said, it's been steady on. Sometimes there's been one a week, sometimes there's been three in a week. But there's definitely always been one. And I think there's only been two weeks since I started this, maybe two years ago, that there hasn't been. So again, I'll never tire of saying thank you for listening, for supporting, for backing, believing and helping and for contributing and for being a part of it. Stick with me because there is some crackers coming up. I'm going to give you a little bit of an insight into what's been going on here for the last couple of days and let's no more than a week since, since I spoke to you last. I had a brilliant, brilliant catch up with my pal and the main man himself, Jazza Dickens, who came back to me. We spent a good hour or more last, what day was it, Jazz? I think it was last Wednesday or so, and we chatted about the Golden Contract final. We chatted about the in-depth, in-depth, I mean, we, we, we looked into when it was postponed, how he reacted after that, how he came back, how he phased his way back into training, having peaked for the final initially, and his thoughts and, and everything else going into that second fight, going into that actual fight on the second occasion. It's a, it's a brilliant insight and it's a brilliant conversation and he's become a really he's become a really good a good guest uh, he's become a really good friend let's say because he's texting here the two of us don't sleep a whole lot we chat a lot off air and uh, just another fantastic fellow. Being truthfully honest, I'm not like overwhelmed with what I've done. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I have won a world title. It's been four weeks now, and I'm thinking, bloody hell! I'm, when am I going to pick it up? When the next in camp? I'm asking me manager Tony, when are we? When, what's happening? And he said, just enjoy it. <laughs> that gig of jazz always makes me smile. Always does. It's another brilliant interview. It's a really close, in-depth, behind-the-curtain look at the preparations for the biggest fight of a fella's career that set him up now, invariably, for a shot at the world champion Navarrete. 
I also spoke on Saturday to two lads who were grabbing the headlines around the same time as Jazza, just a little bit after. The two brothers from Smithsboro have been on here with us quite a lot in the past, and Darren and Stephen McKenna joined me on Saturday to talk about signing with McKennessy to do some shows on Channel 5, the behind closed doors, having not boxed in a year, all of that and some more. And it was a, it was another brilliant chat. I got plenty of slagging about Man United up over the, from the Liverpool fans. But another little extra bonus we got. A man who doesn't speak very often, who you very rarely hear from, but who's ever present in the lad's career from the day they moved to America until now. I'm speaking, of course, of their dad, their coach, their mentor, their everything, is Fergal McKenna. And he spoke to me for a good 20 minutes, giving me an insight into everything that went, that's been as part of the lad's career and where he sees it right now. We never ever took our foot off the paddle and kept preparing as if we were in training camp mode. And, you know, we didn't uh, get into a situation where we overtrained. We we done a lot of practices. We practiced, uh, you know, our, on our weaknesses and uh, and made, uh, you know, our boxing, you know, better. So when you seen the boys towards the end of the year, you seen the way they fought. There was an immense improvement in both of them because of what we'd done, you know, all year. We just didn't lie up waiting on a phone call. We Another bit I got done over the weekend was a, a collab with Kieran of Boxing Bands and Steve of Boxing Tickets Northern Ireland. And we had a look back over the fights in the year. Just literally shot the breeze as we chatted away for nearly two hours. So that has to be edited a good bit. But yeah, I think you're going to enjoy that as well. You're going to get a little bit of everybody's feelings from around the country. And there's the three main platforms that look at boxing here in the country. And it'll be it'll be fun. I think you're going to enjoy it. So all that to come, and there's another two or three interviews in the book for this week. So it's busy times, it's fun times, it's exciting times. And there's a lot of new sections and a new little twist on, on a few different episodes as well that are coming. So watch out for that. Something I have never been any good at is asking for help, reaching out. The growth, success and development of this little podcast is down to you listening to me each week, supporting, encouraging, getting behind. GoFundMe, crowdsource, Patreon, the likes, not for me. But what I will ask, and what I am asking you now is, once you finish listening to this, please leave a review, put the old five stars or whatever it is, simply just share the link. I'm asking each person who downloads, listens for this episode and each other episode, please share it and share the love. I had a conversation with a mate on Friday and you know the kind of talk we knew invariably would be taken over by boxing eventually. We yapped and talked about subjects, different things, football, politics, politicians and lies, news, Christmas, COVID, lockdown, the whole lot, everything. And uh, a bit like scanning through a radio as you do when you're driving along the car and you're trying to find what it is you want to listen to. But... The conversation went on, it was kind of cool, and got to thinking, week one, lockdown three, how am I going to deal with this one? What way are we going to deal? How are people coping? It's almost as the conversation has gone on, this this thread has gone on in my head. I'm good, I kind of answered to myself. It's a lockdown, I always find January anyways, a little bit like a lockdown, It's, it's kind of I don't drink a whole lot anymore at this stage anyways, so it's the first few days, I'm still kind of reliving Christmas, I'm still in Christmas mode, and this year, a little bit laughter, a little bit longer, just extended on a little bit. 
and I kind of thought to myself to be in the present over the last while just I've had to learn that I wanted to learn that and, and I am that and it, it, it's much better state for me it's it's, it's something I prefer um, I immerse myself I absorb and, and, and just absolutely enjoy these occasions for every ounce of, the, of what they're worth so then as a result of that it takes me a little bit longer to kick back out of it so but I get there and I know now what to expect and I know how it's going to go so I'm guessing for me what works and, and when I've had to think about it and, and try to have try to pinpoint what will work it's not to obsess over anything but uh, not not to make a big deal out of any sort of a thing whether it's a big thing or a small thing no matter what it is just 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 go easy with it what do we know works well we know when you keep occupied and you don't obsess or you don't preoccupy yourself with any one thing uh, we know that if you make a little daily list, here's what that's what works for me really, really well. If I make a little list, things to do, maybe start the first couple of days, do maybe three or four things, or one or two, whatever the case, and then tick them off as you go. And trust me, if you're anything like me, that little tick and that little line through it or scribbled out at the end of the day when you've got five, six things scribbled off, it makes a big deal. It gives you a little bit of a lift and gives you a little bit of a smile to yourself. Or maybe I'm just a, a really simple car- a creature that's easily pleased. Playlists, music, always work for me. Podcasts always work for me. Pick something that you like doing. Now, if, if, if that for you is exercise, if it's walking, if it's running, if it's cycling, whatever it is, pick it, do it. Give yourself 20 minutes of it or whatever you can of it a day. And here's something really simple. Laugh. Laugh. Find a film, find some clips on YouTube, find something somewhere and give yourself a belly laugh. I promise you, it makes the world a difference. It really does. No matter what's been going on. And something really special that's just immeasurable is the power of a hug. The impact of it is is immeasurable. So when you can, where you can, who you can. I'm not saying now, like Jazza, up an Asda, run up to someone and hug them. So that's not going to work. You might find yourself in a spot of bother for that. So don't do that one. Dance. Now, here's a site, okay? You're probably not going to picture this. You might eventually somewhere. I might get the camera on someday and... Um, I've had the earphones in and the song will come on and that's it on comes the dance <laughs> and that's it in my mind I am John Travolta I'm on Saturday Night Fever mode awful dancer but a good awful dancer and have great fun doing it and most of all I think what I do is I just live I just try to live I just try to get on with it I've turned the telly off I've no clue what the figures were for the last two three days I don't want to know about it that's the way it works for me. That's what it does. What doesn't work, I know what for sure doesn't work, is nagging, tormenting, and just basically pissing people off. It's just it's just not going to work. It doesn't work any time, so it's sure as shit not going to work now. Allowing small, pointless, little, irrelevant things to upset you, to cause enough of an argument for you to torment somebody else, and then pass that on. Doesn't doesn't work. Coldness, withdrawn, feeling sorry for themselves, people retreating into their... Yep, yeah, doesn't work. Never did, never will. And then distance, I suppose, causing distance, creating distance, making issues again. Deal with these things. Create something. Recognize when it's happening because I know I remember myself so well. And I know now I can feel something when it's coming on. So I hope some of those little bits help because they're definitely helped for me. And you know, the feet are starting to go here now. I might even feel like a dance myself. Now when I say belly laugh, split your side laughing, whatever way you want to look at it. I've got something here for you now that my old pal Sean O'Hagan sent to me earlier on in the week. 
himself and Josh and Reese and Maxi and all the gang are in camp, deep in camp right now for, for fights that will be announced over the coming days. And I have to tell you, this is not for the squeamish, faint-hearted or for those who are prone to bouts of severe chronic laughter because I tell you what, Sean, hats off to you, my man. Hats off to you. Have a listen to it. And I'll put the link for the visual into the notes of today's episode. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you a laugh like you haven't had in a while. Take it away, Josh. So ladies and gentlemen, we're in a lockdown again. 2021 has not started out the way that we do. And here to put a smile on your face is the one and only Riverdance King, 21 Storm. A fine athlete, Johnny Kebab Awaken. I'm going, Johnny, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going, Johnny. I'm watching, Johnny. Of course, I'm inside, yeah. <laughs> Are we going? Even looking at it again for the umpteenth time, it's it just it just it's just classic. It's just so such a such a classic Sean O'Hagan, such a classic Josh Warrington moment. It's brilliant. And uh, have a look at it, get across there and um check it out for yourself. You gotta see it to believe it. Couple of bits of boxing news just as I'm on the fly. Uh did hear word earlier on in the week of a supposed fight for Jason Quigley in Russia, I believe, against Shane Mosley's son. I contacted Jason, texted him on whatever day it was and in fairness to him he was back to me straight away wish me a happy new year looking forward to catching up and he said it'll be announced later on this week so watch that space it looks like it's coming probably is what it, what the rumour say it is but he didn't want to let anything out of the bag at that stage which is, is understandable as well Golden Boy and Rachel and the team will, will have that in hand the biggest news as I said at the top of the hour here was that the BUI announced earlier on in the week and it's a great move that they won't be charging anybody any boxers that hold an Irish fighter's boxing license for 2021 they won't be charging them and that's that's a top move and respect to them for that credit them and the same I think for the corner men and the number twos they're only being charged I think half price so that's a nice touch in a time when people are feeling the pinch it's uh it's still go a long way to to easing their way into the new year Most of this episode I had pretty much done on Tuesday, what day is today? It's Tuesday today, so on Monday, had the interview all edited, everything ready, and uh, had a few bits to do on Tuesday, which is right now, it's today, this morning, and got delayed, crazy, crazy stuff going on, one thing after another, but look, got through it, everything's done, everything's cool, happy out, and uh, got back to sit down and just put the claws and touches to this. Now, kind of glad in a way that I did. Because across my video screen this morning, across my phone screen this morning, came 
a video from I'm not I'm not too sure what title to put on him because um he's just he's he's one of these fellas who's who's just a deplorable sad state of what people see today as celebrity and what he's doing is he's using the likes of Dillian Morn to try and earn some sort of credence or or some sort of maneuver some sort of um influence over Conor McGregor who he craves he craves the attention and everything else that Conor has for some reason or whatever reason and most people in that scenario would feel the need or the want or the inclination maybe to apply themselves to something seriously something that could be respectful and admired and and held up as saying yeah look he put his mind to something he did it and fair ball to him and you, you might say that about gaming and poo tubing and all that stuff that yeah good lad well done tremendous but when it comes to boxing and it comes to uh, respect it's very high very very high if not one of the highest uh, markers by what a fighter a boxer and boxing people are, are gauged on judged on and welcomed by or not or not so for him to reach the levels that he reached today i can't say i'm surprised i can't say i'm surprised because what we're seeing is the latest spawn of clearly a family problem where they seek other people's misfortune, other people's uh, other people's downfalls, but low points in other people's lives. They'll look for those. And what they do then is they dig their, their grimy little hands and, and their little, little toes into them and they use them to try and grasp at whatever little bit of credence and whatever little bit of stature and whatever little bit of fame or, or momentary uh, hype that they can garner from it. And behind them are a little bunch of trolls who like to row in behind them and dress like them and act like them and talk like them and uh, want, possibly even want to be like them. And some of those trolls would even lead you to believe that this guy is capable of something more than playing wrestling or WWE on a Xbox or on a Nintendo or whatever it is he's playing with these days. But this time around, I tend not to ignore. I tend to ignore it most of the time. I, I always ignore them because they're just they are what they are. They're just vultures who are just trying to sift through the bones of what's left of here, there, and everywhere. I mean, don't forget it's his brother who of course, went to the suicide woods in Japan, filmed those tragic people who had who had just... Uh, it's just deplorable. Deplorable. And it doesn't surprise me in this latest uh, this latest arrival or this latest cretin that just has crawled out from whatever rock that these people grow under. But um, what people need to remember, they need to remember, especially that particular sort of, of vermin, that these are tough times that we're living in. These are times where... People are on, they're on a short, they're on a very, very close head to the edge. I'm not saying Dylan is at all. Dylan is in absolutely tip-top form. Chatted to him this morning. I actually offered any little bit of help I could. Because this is a type of infestation that needs to be stamped out. Needs to be eradicated. If there's a spray for anything like him or a cream or something that makes it go away, well, let's, let's just get it. Let's just get it and eradicate the world of it. Because, as I said... These are tough times. If Dylan wasn't such a strong character, if he wasn't in such a good place with such a good, strong, solid, reliable team around him, if he wasn't such a professional athlete, something that's lost on this cockroach, um, he may well, he may well suffer, struggle, and who knows where it ends. We've seen 
one too many of these incidents of bullying and just craving limelight and craving attention for something that you don't deserve for you've done nothing I was delighted to see Dylan's response I was delighted to see Dylan come back and answer him in the way that he deserves and let's see if he takes the uh, the challenge he won't he won't because he's a cretinous cowardly spineless little little insect who will probably come out with some some ridiculous ridiculous two year old response but uh, Dylan my man keep the head up Keep smiling. You're not only are you doing what you do, you're you're helping the champ champ prepare for what could well become the champ champ champ. And whatever you got to do, mate, you've got your friends behind you, you've got your team behind you, you're stable. You've got a country behind you right now. I sometimes introduce guests and uh, lead up to an interview with a guest by saying that I've been chasing this fella, I've been chasing that fella, I've been chasing this fighter since. By chasing, I mean invariably I'll make contact. And my style is never to push, it's never to torment, it's never to hassle. It's never ever to be a, a pain in the hole, for want of a better word. I understand the pressure the demands that are on these fighters and their time. And um, I will push to a little bit and I'll keep it fresh and I'll just keep little reminders here and there. But when I get the sense or when I get a feeling... Long story short, I reached out to this fella a few months back in the middle of lockdown one and... I wanted to chat with him and we arranged loosely and he arranged loosely and one thing and another. Anyways, get the gist. I knew little bits of his story before we spoke through preparation and homework and everything else and I'm always, I'm always, I always allow the fighter himself to tell me or not tell me. Whatever the case may be, I'll kind of push and I'll prod and I'll, 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 I'll try and see what I can find out. And in this one, a fantastic story of a Slovakian kid who had a very, very simple dream and a very simple wish. And at the in- at the outset, it was simply for a better life. And that dream right now, when you hear this fella talk, it's been lived, loved every day in every possible way. Of course, I'm talking about Vlad Beluski. If I was Michael Buffer... I'd introduce my guest here today as coming to you from Cork by way of Slovakia. Uh, yeah. Vladimir Beluski. It's, it's a pleasure, Vlad, to eventually get you on. I think the first time we actually chatted by way of message was back in the first lockdown, wasn't it? You were doing exams. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good to be back. First and foremost, I suppose, Happy New Year to you. Probably haven't had much chance to get any partying or celebrating done with you're in camp and you're, what, you're about three weeks out, aren't you? Exactly, three weeks out, so no partying for me. Christmas is on hold until until the 24th. Afterwards, yeah, exactly. That's it. But it's probably, I know um, during the, the first lockdown, just we mentioned there briefly, your exam, you were doing exams. Did they went all well and everything went according to plan? Yes, everything went good. Uh, thank God. I graduated from my master's back in October, I think. So it's all done now. And on to the PhD next. Wow. You don't hang around, do you? I just want to get it done, you know, before, before I get too old. I just want to get it out of the way. And what is it you're studying, man? Uh, business, it's all business related. So I'm going to do a PhD in economics now, but my master's and degree are both in business. So boxing is, an, is a good outlet to have then as well. Exactly. have to have to mix things up. You know, I, uh, I think, I think other boxers should do that as well. You know, and any, anything can happen any day. So you need to, you need to have a backup plan. I think it's so important. It's good for fighters to believe in themselves and believe that they're going to make it in boxing and no matter what, they'll, they'll become who they want to become. Anything can happen. So it's always good to have something to fall back on. 
Yeah, and mate, that was even before we factor in what's gone on the last 12 months. But you're privy to a stable there right now that ahead of everybody else, they've just managed to keep busier than, than they were beforehand. Yes, absolutely. I mean, Connor is, what age is he? He's 24, 23, and the things he's doing are absolutely crazy. I've been with Connor since since day one, you know, since back in Brighton in the UK, Sparrow Newbank, where we used to get the train over. I didn't really know him back then, you know, but we got to know each other. And the ride's been crazy, you know, since then. he uh, He's grown so much and he's doing great things. Like, for somebody like him to be running shows in Spain and Belgium and all over the world, you know, I know he's getting promoters from all parts of the world contacting him, looking to put fights on, so... It's great to have somebody like him. Shout out to Connors. Well, of course, he's done great work, but we have to keep his feet on the ground. We can't get him too big. We can't give him too much praise <laughs> just yet. No, you're 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 absolutely right. It's it's before we get into what's coming next and everything else, lad. What I like to do is I like to go back to the beginning a little bit and, and talk about where things started for you. And and most Irish fans, boxing fans, if not all, know Vlad Belowski. You're Irish to us. <laughs> you're the Cogman. But uh, <laughs> to go a little bit farther than that, and it was um, you you moved here from Slovakia. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about that? We moved uh, with my, my mother, my two brothers and my sister. My two brothers are older than me. They both used to box as amateurs. And my younger sister, she's 18. And my mother, we moved here in 2008. And basically just for a better life, you know. We uh, Life in Eastern Europe isn't great. Definitely wasn't back then. Probably isn't still. Um, but we moved here for a better life. And... I started boxing here in uh, Mitchellstown, which is a very, very small town uh, in North Cork, in uh, Mitchellstown Boxing Club, um, after moving here. I boxed a little bit in Slovakia, uh, but really wasn't consistent or anything like that. Uh, I didn't have any fights, just kind of went to the gym to get away from things. Um, we kind of took it up serious here. I uh, went to my training sessions all the time, did everything right. And it was actually funny because where we... Where we used to train here was inside a pub, and uh, the dance floor was like a square inside the pub, and uh, that that was the ring. We pretended that was the ring, you know. There used to be 20, 30 of us in a training session inside a pub, so it was absolutely crazy. Was, the, was that in Slovakia, Vlad, was it? No, it was here in Mitchellstown. Oh. <laughs> I know it sounds like Eastern Europe, don't it? <laughs> yeah, I actually, yeah, I thought that's what you meant. I can just picture, I, I was just about to say, it wouldn't be the first time I've seen a dance floor full of lads fighting, but that's, that's, yeah. that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, we would train at seven, but we'd spend the first half an hour of cleaning up the glass, you know, from the, there would have been a disco or something, you know, like the night before. And uh, we just sweep the floor for the first half an hour, make sure there's no glass there, because uh, there used to be broken glass everywhere. We clean up the place, and then we would get training. And we had no equipment, <laughs> no bo- no boxing bags, no rings, nothing. And that was Mitchell's Boxing Club. All we had was some gloves, you know. And we just went at it, you know. We we sparred, we did everything. More blood spilled the night before, I'd say, than there was in the training sessions. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's a lot of people now, and there's a lot of the young fighters now, and the people that are in the elite systems now in the setup. It was primitive, and there's a lot of clubs. Not nothing compared to the state of the art facilities most of them are in these days. That's for sure. Yeah, and they have the grants and everything to help them out these days. And you know, they have every. I think every boxing club these days has a ring. They have everybody has their own gloves, their own headgear. Whereas before, you know, a guy used to come out of the ring after about six rounds with a sweaty headgear. We'd change it over. You know, the headgear be uh, 
all west you put it on and you get on and you fight and then the next day after you have to take it the and stink. then you just share it yeah yeah exactly and, <laughs> and, and anyone horrible. that's not familiar as well anyone that can't just place that smell just imagine when you don't wash your wraps for a day or two that, <laughs> and, and then leave it in a in a stuffy wet old closet that's what you're talking about disgusting yeah and, and, but it didn't matter I, it didn't matter but it didn't put you off anyway, mate. No, it just it didn't matter. Like where I where I came from in Slovakia, we had, we had none of that, you know. So it was luxury to me here to think that these days, you know, fighters have winning uh, sets and winning headgear and winning gloves and all that, you know. Amateur fighters, even, you know, it's it's great for you know. It's it's nice to see. I I understand poverty levels and for would that shed some light on the why your emphasis is so focused on your education at the same time Jesus uh, we came from like you see I know a lot of people came from nothing and I don't want to be I don't want to be another person to say I came from nothing you know because everybody these days came from nothing but uh, like the only reason we came to Ireland was because uh, we became homeless over in Slovakia so we're on the street for a few months and uh, my brother came my oldest brother came here first and he got a job in a piggery I think it was on a farm Wow. I think it was maybe about three three hundred euro cash uh, a week, so he was just working for two or three weeks, four weeks to get uh to be able to get us flights. So we were on the street just waiting for flights. No way. The minute he was yeah, the minute he was able to book us flights, we came as well. And uh, wow, the first place we lived in the, the first place we lived in was a uh, was a house share. There was five of us in one room, you know, and then there was like. Another guy in another room on his own, and another guy in another room on his own. So uh, I, the landlord didn't mind at the time, which was great, because, you know, if you went to the house here now and brought in your family of four, I don't think they'd be too happy. Well, we, we got away with it, and then we got on our feet eventually. Well, let me say this, first and foremost. There's a lot of people claim, and there's a lot of people claim to say, I, I could never claim I came from nothing, say we didn't have much, but man, when you say you came from nothing, it puts a different light on things, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And that that's why you work so hard, you know, even like me. Like, I wasn't smart at all. You know, I'm not smart. I uh, I wouldn't be book smart at all. But it's just determination to get something behind me, you know, to, to be able to provide a better, even like what I'm doing now, you know, just providing for, for my mom and my sister and helping my brothers out, you know, because my brother and my sister work for me now, which is funny enough. I, I manage a security company. And both my sister and my brother, I was able to give them jobs, you know, and I'm able to help my mother. So that was the whole idea. It gives you that extra little bit of determination, that not that you need, but it yeah. definitely adds to the will. And I suppose the, the the focus. Absolutely, yes, of course. And it's just different world completely. And, and you know, boxing is, I think once you get in this deep, you, you don't get out. You know, you're in, I think you're in it for life. Um, you can't get out of it, you know, it's... No. Uh, and, People talk Back about the it. people talk about the bad sides of it and the bad people and the dark. Yeah, yeah. There, of course, you'd be naive to think there isn't, but it's not hard to spot them. You say you followed your brothers into boxing. Was that a case of like sibling rivalries where you basically had to learn to defend yourself, or was it a case you saw yeah. them competing and you wanted them? No, no, no. We used to we used to fight crazy, and uh, and you know, I uh, we were fighting all the time, you know, with my brothers, and uh, even. Even back in Slovakia, it was just fighting, you know, fighting, fighting, fighting. Everything was fighting. Everything was resolved with fighting. If there was a problem anywhere, <laughs> even between my brothers, whether it was me against my brother or me and my brother against people, you know, and uh, and you start noticing like, Jesus, he's able to, he's able to do better than me, you know, like what's he doing better than me? And 
Oh, he's going down to the boxing gym there twice a week, three times a week. He's able to fight better. I want to I be like him, you know. I do often say it to fellas and I do often say it to the girls and, and, and different times. There's a lot of people who do it to lose weight. There's people who get into it through white collars. People who do it and, and it stays at that. And that's fine. It keeps their head straight. Keeps. When did it become clear to you, Vlad, that it was something that it was a little bit more than um, just keeping up with the brothers? When did you start passing out the brothers and when did you start? Because I know then you progressed to representing Ireland and boxed all around the world. So... Was it fairly quickly it became evident to you or was it was it a work in progress? You know, even when I was traveling, say, I went to New York, I fought in New York, I fought in the UK, I fought here. I was still thinking to myself, I was still thinking to myself, what am I doing? Like, you know, I'm, I'm not good enough to, to be here. Like, what the hell is it? What the hell is happening? <laughs> I was always like that, you know, I was like, I, I'm not like, I always felt like my brothers were better than me. You know, and then but I was getting the exposure, you know, and I was thinking to myself, maybe I'm after surpassing them. You know, I'm, I'm after getting better than them. And once I started traveling away, you know, I was thinking uh, I need to stick to this and I really need to put my head down and uh, get something out of it, you know. And then in 2016 was when I really pushed it on. I was uh, I was doing a lot of sparring with uh, Michael O'Reilly, who was mm. going to the Olympics. Um, Port, yes, Port Leash. I was doing loads of sparring with him, you know, and I was keeping up with him. And uh, I really like. I was like, this guy's going to the Olympics. I said, I'm a nobody from from a pub down in Mitchellstown, you know. I'm like, I'm able to like really, really stay in there with him. And they kept asking me to come over, kept asking me to come over. And Pat Ryan was giving me great feedback, you know, helping me out a lot. And uh, I was doing loads of sparring with him. And then Michael went to Olympic trials and. A boxing trainer in Slovakia contacted me and said, why don't you come over for the Olympic trials over here? There's national championships coming up. You do well in it. Nobody knows you here. But uh, I saw your fight. I saw your last fight on on YouTube. You should come down and try it out. So I knew that I would never go to the Olympics with Ireland. Um, But I was like, I give it a shout over in Slovakia. So I went over and I fought... Some guy in the semi-finals, I beat him. And then I was fighting a really good guy in uh, in the final, in the elite final. And uh, I think he was like 38 and all or something crazy like that. I didn't even believe his record at the time because as an amateur, it's nearly impossible to be undefeated. And uh, and I beat him. And I was like, shit, I'm, I'm going to the Olympics with Slovakia. Is this for real? Like, am I going to the Olympic qualifiers or whatever was next? I was like, I'm on the team. And uh, so I had big talks with the Slovakian uh boxing board or whatever they are and uh they were like yeah yeah 100 you're gone you're gone so i flew back home to ireland and uh and i was meant to fly back out to slovakia for a training camp and i think two days before i was going to fly back out they rang me and they said that guy's still gonna go because you can't just come out of nowhere and win this and go they said this guy is the national champion for the last four years you came out of nowhere you're nobody even though you beat him he probably was off for him all this crack, you know. So, and then after that, I was like, uh, you know, I felt like giving up. Good I felt like, boxing, I, eh? Yeah. And uh, I was like, I need to go pro. So I contacted Kaz Evans over in the UK. He flew me out to Brighton, did loads of sparring over there. And uh, that was it, really. Yeah, a lot of people leave the amateur career behind and they might never put the gloves on again. Some people leave it with their dreams and they made everything they, they, they went farther than they ever imagined. And some leave with their hearts broken and haven't been hard done by. It pains me to see it and hear it sometimes in Ireland. 
Yeah, there is a lot more to leave the game with their hearts broken. There's, there's, there's so much politics and there's so much, I think, going on there that, you know, people don't even see. And even fighters, I don't think they realize what goes on, you know. Even back when I was fighting the intermediates and the, champ- the Irish championships, you know, I lost a good few times where I clearly should have won, you know. And I know every fighter will say that. No, no. But, you know, I don't, I, I don't mind, you know, I lost a lot of times and I won a few times, you know. I was up close with somebody who was high up in the IBA, and and uh, I don't want to talk bad about the IBA. But I asked, I said, why is this happening? Like, you know, like, I work so hard. I train twice a day, every day. I do everything. I go into the fight, and I destroy the guy, and I lose on a split decision. And I say, well, look, you know, the way it is, they don't want a guy called Vladimir Belusky representing Ireland. Really, doesn't really look good, you know. Small minds, so, small minds. So, and I was like, that's fair enough, you know. But it's okay, you know, because... I'm okay with that, you know. There is, uh, it makes sense, you know. To me, like it makes sense. Well, it's let me say, happen. let me say, as a born bred Irishman who's loved who's loved boxing from the first from the time I saw Barry McGuigan fight Pedroza, let me just say now, and it's not so, it's not, it's not virtue signaling. It's, it's not okay. I think it's it's um, thankfully it's changing slowly. I train, yeah, I train with Nicholas in uh, in Watergrass Hill, um, where I went after Mitchellstown. And I was training out there with Danny as well, Luke Thomas, uh, and the three Cubans, you know. Mike, Lewis, and Mike, I can never remember. Who was the third one? Alexi, Alexi, oh, Alexi. Like, tell me his surname. Uh, Acosta or Colazo. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I can never, I used to think, I used to think it was Rigo. And I couldn't remember. Rigo wasn't here that long at all, was he? He was, if at all. No, he was, yeah, he was only here for, for a bit, yeah, small bit. Carl Froch spoke recently about his build-up to one of his four title fights. I remember that, yeah. And Lewis went up to spar him. And punched the head off him. Punched the head off him and uh, they, kicked, they kicked him all out. The three legs <laughs> got kicked out of the gym. Hold on, never come back. <laughs> I remember that. Oh, yeah, but... We're jumping forward a little bit, but what we're seeing here now is a pattern forming with, with Vlad Deluski, is that whatever you put your mind to and you decide you're going to do it, it it's getting done. And it's getting done to the yeah, absolute yeah. max. So whether it's college, <laughs> whether it's school boxing it, it's um it's a determination in you so and that's that's very obvious but you went on then into the pros you went across to brighton many if i'm being honest you'd say that'd be a peculiar i know assassin were kind of growing at the time they were making a making waves and names um was it fate that yourself and connor met up was it, is that how it ended or or, or was yeah, it just you know you know what i was actually i was looking for this is how it all i was looking for sparring of jj mcdonough because i looked up Who's the best super middleweight pro in Ireland, you know? The best for the best. <laughs> <laughs> All the above, yeah. I looked it up and it was JJ McDonough. And then I just started Googling stuff and I started going on Instagram and I saw that he was uh, managed by Assassin. And that's basically how I got to know Assassin Boxing was to wanting to spare JJ. And I rang that guy, uh, I rang Kaz. And geez, it was, uh, it was crazy after that. And, yeah, I don't know if you know the story of Connor and Kaz getting together. Um, Do you want to give us an exclusive? I'll or... tell you. I'll tell you quickly. I'll tell you quickly. So Kaz was working with a guy called, I think his name was James. James used to do all the media for Assassin Boxing, so he did the interviews with the fighters, the photos, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I think Connor was uh, house sharing with him in London because Connor was in college in uh, in London. So Connor never had anything to do with boxing, nothing at all. Never knew anybody. Never had anything to do with it. But I think uh, James was coming down to Brighton one uh, one Saturday, 
And Connor was doing nothing, so he just asked him, do you want to come with me? I'm going to record some interviews with fighters and stuff. So they came down to Brighton. Like, I didn't know Connor, Connor was just holding the camera. I think Kaz and James then set, went separate ways. And Kaz offered uh, Connor, just from knowing him, I think two or three days he met him. Said to Connor, do you want that job? And Connor said, yeah. And then he was first, I think I think he was first the media man, you know. And then he got really into it. And we ended up going to Tijuana and all this crazy LA, like sparring with Gilberto Ramirez and all this kind of stuff. I spoke to Connor just before the Ray Milet fight in the Castle Bar that time. He went after Assassin Promotions and set up his own. Incredible, like, and, and he is—he has a natural, genuinely has a natural gift for. Yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's funny how things fall into place. Honestly, it's, it's so strange. If you think about all the stories and everything, it's just strange how things fall into place. And and Kaz was very good. Now, Kaz, I think I know people say bad things about him, whoever's out there. Uh, but Kaz was very, very good to all of us. Um, when he brought us out to LA and Tijuana and stuff, like he, he was extremely good to us and. He had so much knowledge and so many contacts. I think that that he passed on to Connor, and I think Connor stay humble and uh, <laughs> thank Kaz for some of his contacts. <laughs> he, he does talk about his famous address book and contact book, so I, I must ask him the next time. I'm going to text him here now in a minute and say, "Are you sure that's your book?" <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Boxing happened so crazy, so funny because say when I fought for the WBC U4 title in uh, in Germany. And, you know, there was other managers and promoters there with their home fighters who uh, who then Connor got to know, you know, and mingled with. And then they had a few beers. And next thing, we're well, on you, the show do, in Spain. Do you want to know the story? Do you want to know the version he told me this now? And and then he wasn't, he yeah. said you were a fucking lightweight and you went home early. And he was, and you said, ah, oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> yeah, he said it was after the fight and you were going because you were flying the next morning. And um, he happened to go and as luck would have it, or whatever way it happened, your man came into the pub and he said that's where they built the connection where all the fights are coming from now. It's it's yeah. He's a lucky man. He wants someone to get the number, lot of numbers off that lad. <laughs> <laughs> he he owes me twenty percent, I think. Ah no, but look, we're joking, of course. Nobody can work as hard as he does or as you guys do and not create your own and generate your own little bit as well. Because for every piece of good luck you guys have, <laughs> there's another one or two pieces of bad luck and things that don't work out so it's it's, it's the percentages really isn't it and that's what boxing is it's if you're going to get your nut down and work hard and be honest and real you're, that's what's going to tell of course and, and luck is, is a big thing in boxing and, and just taking the right opportunities at the right time yeah um, you know like so many fighters are afraid of losing their undefeated record and all this crap you know you just fight and fight and fight and fight and you keep fighting you know and, and you're young, so like it doesn't matter. You're always only get one fight away from getting a big fight, you know. Like I mean, I lost three fights now, all short notice opportunities that I just jumped at because what else am I doing, you know? Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to be fighting journeymen to become fifteen, twenty, and all, and then get exposed, you know. I just wanted to measure my levels, you know. And we've seen that a lot and, over the last while. We've seen a lot of fighters who come through with massive egos, massive promotion deals, massive everything. Your, your fellow uh, Corkonian, I had him on here a while ago and he messaged me every now and then, a fucking amazing fella, Spike. Similar attitude. It's like, I'm going to fight. If I win, I'm going to give it everything I've got. But you got to take opportunities and you got to make them. And there's no better man and no better story than, than the bowl Spike. Yeah, no, I know Spike. He's such a gentleman. We, we, we get on so well. I really, he's really close with my trainer league hands as well. I think from long, long time ago, I think they know each other a long, long time. They grew up together 
Um, so, no, I love I love Spike. He, uh, he's a great guy. Great guy. Really, really good. What we get with Spike is, is real. It's not manufactured. It's not pretend. It's not... Uh, he, he calls it as it is and he does it with his tongue in his cheek that poor mother-in-law of his must be fucking heartbroken and he reckons she doesn't know the <laughs> half of what he does be saying but, oh, stop, yeah, but he does it he, he, he inspires people he helps people all around the place and I mean I get messages from him here on in, out of the blue and he'll probably never know what I mean you can't help but smile because they're the cheekiest but, they're, the, but they're, they're, they're meaningful at the same time and that's probably him in a nutshell honestly one, one of the best people I've met in boxing like even the position he's in at the moment, you know, he's 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 up there, and he's so humble and he's so nice, you know, and he'll tell you tell you straight up how it is, you know. Um, so honestly, he's he's a great person. Yeah, and and he's looking now by the looks of it, he's going to go beat up Oscar De La Hoya. I mean, no better buckle, no better lad to do it either. <laughs> <laughs> Before I moved into this current phase of your career, so you'd gone from Slovakia, you'd come to Cork. That must have been a big change. Then you come Cork, then you're training, you're traveling around the world. When you go to Brighton, what's the setup like in Brighton? With I know Connor told me that there was some queer living arrangements. That there was like yourself and uh, was it Josh Douglas? Yeah, and, uh, and JJ. And JJ. <laughs> and, and I think this heavyweight guy from Donny Palmer from um, the US joined us uh, a few times as well. So it was, it was it was mad. Like it was it was class. You know, that's 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 the real boxing. You know, and JJ is uh, another lad that was larger than life. Massive, massive character as well, but. Ah, JJ is crazy. I remember I went sparring JJ once in uh, a few times actually, but I remember once in Mullingar went to spar him, you know. And he came into the gym with his hands wrapped, you know, he wrapped his own hands the whole time. And just sellotape and everything on his hands. <laughs> and he drove, he comes into here, he just, he, he drove his car, you know, you can see him pull up outside with their hands wrapped and everything. Driving to Mullingar with it, with like sellotape and duct tape and all kinds of stuff on his hands. <laughs> straight, straight into the ring and just killing each other. It's fucking, ah, oh, it's so funny. So like. man, so man, no, he's a, he's a larger, another larger than life. And a lot of those characters now, I suppose, you're, you're not seeing as many of them because a lot of them now are progressing through, they're coming through the, um, the, the corners are knocked, the edges are knocked off, and all the rough edges are gone off them by the time they get through that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Or the guys, the guys who are trying to be rough are just putting it on, you know, but the real, the real proper uh, is like JJ. It's brilliant. Like, you look at you look at how much of a gent Tony, Tony Brown is. I mean, he's an absolute gentleman um, until the bell goes, but he, he's, like, he talks right, he acts right, he lives right. You couldn't picture him and JJ sharing the car down and, and sharing, a, sharing a roll of duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Try sharing a plane with JJ for fourteen hours going over to LA. Oh, <laughs> I, can't, crazy. I can't imagine that. But that's yeah. another thing that um, Connor said was a big thing. Um, you travelled to, to LA and then down into Tijuana. I mean, again, Tijuana has it's it's yeah. It, it, is it all they say it is the home of Eric Morales? Uh, I, as well. I tell you, I tell, I tell, I tell you, I tell you about Tijuana, right? I weighed in against a guy, right? I weighed in against a guy. On the Friday, on Saturday, I got into the ring, and a different guy was across the ring, probably about twenty kilos heavier than me. But we got it, you know. He just, he just rolled with it, you know. And you fight on. You, you ask questions afterwards, you know. You fight on. The guy came, nearly took the head off me, but eventually I stopped him to stick around, and I think I only stopped him because he got tired, because he was just fucking massive, you know. But I weighed against completely somebody else, 
So Tijuana is just is crazy place. Like, and Connor, class. Connor said you had um, Connor said you have a story to tell me about heading across the border in a, in, a, in a pretty fancy car. He says he te- he's never seen you go as pale. Do you want to tell us that story? <laughs> <laughs> he won't tell. He says, room, Do you know what yeah. he is? He's a hooer. He tells you half a story, and he says you may ask him the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, no, no. We got that uh, convertible. I don't know what was it, Mustang or something, and uh, the insurance company. Kaz asked the insurance lady, uh, is this, does this insurance cover us in Tijuana? And she started laughing. And uh, he was like, what? He was like, so you can't drive this car to Mexico. Are you crazy? She goes, uh, you can't drive this car past San Diego. She goes, you need to go to San Diego and stop cars and then maybe drive down in the Toyota or something. Kaz ignored her completely, drove straight down with the roof down. The minute we came, we came through uh, into Tijuana, well, 50 people ran up to the car trying to fucking... I don't know what they were trying to do, but they were all over us anyway. Oh, but, I can uh, imagine. Yeah. Him, uh, with, the, with the sheds on the whole, I thought he was the big daddy. The big I am has arrived in town. There's <laughs> <laughs> a new sheriff in uh, town. I was like, Kaz, put the roof up. Put the roof up. Put the roof up. Close the windows. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and and uh, uh, I suppose to go into the gym side of it, are, is it as they say, are the gyms in Mexico and Tijuana in particular, they're... they're they're hard places. They're not placed for the faint-hearted, and that would add a lot to your to your personality and to your to your mentality as well. Yeah, no, it was. I loved it. You know, it was like it was old school. You know, everything was. There was nothing fancy down there. Even in where we fought, you know, we just it was just a bar with a, with a ring on top of it, and uh, you know, the the Mexicans really showed that they weren't there to support you. You know, you were you were. Uh, uh, you see guys fighting in Dublin and they have their fans and the other guy have their fans, you know, they sold their tickets and it's even or whatever. But in Tijuana, you get tagged or even you get, you get jabbed into the head and there's about 2,000 people right up at the top of the ring shouting for the other guy to knock you out, you know. So if you can get through that, I think you can get through anything, yeah. you know, and the, it's just the heat about the fucking. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's all character building, Vlad. And there's a, and, and there's, a pattern, there's a very clear pattern forming here. And the last bit that a little information, and I promise you, I won't spring any more surprises. Connor told me as well that he said that you went back on your own then a few months later, and you lived over there, and you trained, and you traveled down for a fight on your own as well. So it, it's a strong character. There's not. It takes a fair bit to phase you, doesn't it? Yeah. No. Of course. It's. Uh, it's. I think if you can get through that, you know, just it's it's unreal. Like you go over to. LA, you know, you get some training done in LA. Like, I got to spar Ramirez, WBO world champion in my way by a complete accident. You know, we were in, uh, in Wildcard Boxing Club and, uh, I, I got talking to Freddie Roach, you know, and Freddie Roach would be like, well, I saw you on TV yesterday, you know, I'm talking to you today. And, uh, he was like, sorry there. And he answered his phone and he goes, uh, oh, shit, you know, start cursing it. And we were like, well, what's wrong? And he goes, oh, a guy pulled out for sparring tomorrow. He's sick. And I was like, what weight? And he was like, 168 pounds. And I was like, what weight is that? Because, you know, I only know, I only knew kilos at the time, but I know it's a super middleweight. And he goes, uh, super middleweight. I was like, I'm a super middleweight. I can, I can spar him. And he goes, are you any good? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. So then when sparring and I got to spar, spar him and then they asked me to come back and keep sparring him, you know, and uh, it was very good. It was very, and, very and good. He, Freddie Roach, I've heard of quite a few people tell those stories where not, not been let down, but it's it's very much a gut check and it's very much if he's not going to spare if, if if you don't impress and you don't hold or you don't bring something you're gone he's not going to bring you back the next day so you did enough and you did something and, and the funny thing about him is as well i've heard a lot of people say that 
even despite his failments and everything else that he's great with faces like he might not remember the name but he'll remember he'd be able to say oh yeah exactly 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 yeah that's so true because we went there the first time and then we went back there again and he was like oh you come you come back again you're fighting Tijuana again you know so he remembers he remembers everything he's very good he's a very nice guy yeah no great guy but uh uh, th- there are some stories, mate. When when this career is over, you've got to you've got to you've got to either do a Mike Tyson style show, or you've got to do a book, or you've got something to come with because uh, there's patterns forming, which I suppose with your with your with your own resolve. But there's also bars and boxing rings, and there's there's all sorts of things in it that could make a great show. Yeah, but, no, it's a, it will lose some, definitely do something. Yeah. But I have about what five years left in the game. Hopefully, I would maybe. have said, yeah, I yeah, uh, I would say that all, even though all the air miles and everything else. I would say you're, you're as a fighter goes. I mean, you're for, like, I think the style as well is what I wanted to get to as well. And and, and it's not a cliche. It can be a cliche sometimes, but it's, a lot of people will look at the Eastern European style and they'll say, "Oh yeah, that's what." But when I look at you sparring, I'm thinking, "Oh man, it's like." And then I look, who's his favorite fighter? And it's ah oh, yeah, I get that. It fit, it fits and everything. But is it something? Is the style? Vlad, is it is it something that kind of it just flow it's your natural or is it something that you're working on and developing the whole time? What, what way do you go about it? Uh, a bit of both, you know. Uh, like I know that I'm I'm a, a fight, you know. I try to come forward and knock people out, and it's either I knock them out or they knock me out. Um, you know, I don't box, I don't move around, which I'm trying to do more now because it's a clever thing to do, you know. <laughs> and not just get punched in the head walking forward and. And smile hope and to catch them, <laughs> hope to catch them and knock them out, you know. But uh, but I think at the end of the day, like I can, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not good at learning, but uh, just learning to move my head more and all that, you know, coming forward. I think I, I can, I can, I can develop my style of fighting coming forward, you know, without having to change it too much of moving around too much, you know. Uh, so that's what I'm working. That's what we're working on at the moment. Just. Keep doing what I'm doing, but move my head and not get hit as much walking in, you know. Yeah, and it's um. But I think I think I'm a fighter, you know. I think I think that's never gonna change. Like I always want to come forward, I always want to fight, you know. I never want to jab and run and jab and run and jab and run, you know. I just want to I want to fight and get the fun out of it. Even my last fight in uh, in Spain, uh, the guy caught me in the second round, you know, and uh, I you know I enjoyed it more, you know, because it, it was something that I haven't had before, you know. I went six rounds. And it was a fight, you know, uh, rather than just going in first or second round, knocking somebody out. And I don't really get the, you know, all, you kind of feel like all that training I've done, the eight weeks, the, the all the rounds of sparring, and, you know, I didn't really get to show it, you know, when I knocked somebody out in second, third round. So, Do you know what it was? I, I watched, I remember watching those fights. I missed your one. Your one was on early, I think. And I watched some of the, um, and I remember, but I watched it back afterwards. And I remember thinking yourself, Victor and Dylan, you were like Jesus Christ, but were they not feeding them or something? It was like the tree. You were just, it was like someone let you off a leash. You just wanted you were anything to get him out of there before. And I, yeah. I think it was with Victor. Or no, it might have been D- Dylan. I think had him going at the Dylan. end, at the very end. He almost had him, and you could see him throwing his gloves. It was like ah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> but the, well, they were tough. They came to fight, you know, which is which is a lot better, you know. Yeah. And that was that was um, if I remember rightly that was Sept that was November and you hadn't boxed November. since March so like with everything that went on with ex- we take we take exams and everything else but as well as that then you factor in what we're the, the current scenario and what we're in now 
Is it hard, Vlad? For I'm probably asking the wrong lad because once you focus on it and you put your mind to it, it gets done. But yeah. from a fighter's point of view, um, and how, how is it in these times? I mean, again, you're blessed, I suppose, with, with being busy and having a day to focus on. But in everyday sparring and training and, and life in general, it, it, is it much tougher for you? For me personally, no. Uh, it's the same, same. I think like with COVID. Uh, nothing really changed for me, you know. My my job is going uh, even busier at the moment than 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 before. Um, I manage the security even for all the test centers that are down here in Cork, so we have loads of staff in there. So like my my job got busier, so everything's the same for me, you know. Even like training and gym, I'm able to access, you know, the gym. And uh, during the first lockdown, I wasn't able to go into the gym as much as I wanted to. But uh, after that, you kind of adapt, and uh, it's kind of everything. Everything's okay, you know. Like you, you, uh, I get the sparring I need. I get the training I need. So once you just put your mind out and make it work, you know, it'll. it'll work. It's gonna pay a dividend, you know, and that that's that's what's special. Um, you're you've got a tricky opponent the next time. Don't know much about him, but I'm looking at him here. He's a Dutch fella. We, first and foremost, you know straight away you're in for. Uh, he's not going to go anywhere. Yeah, anything fine. yeah exactly. Uh, and, he, and he's um he's a decent enough record too. You wouldn't want it any other way, I'm guessing, would you? No, especially at this stage. You know, I can't be messing around. Um, I want to move up. I want to. Like, if if you had any idea, the guys that we offer fights to fight me, you know, they would be ten and no guys, seven and no guys, or the fights that get proposed to us and we accept them and then they pull out because they think my knockout. I have too many knockouts on my record or they think I'm too dangerous or we offer somebody a fight and they look for absolutely crazy money, you know. So sometimes it's not as easy to get who we want, you know, who, who I actually want to fight. It's, you know, it's easy to, why don't you fight him or why don't you fight him? But it's not that easy, you know. Um, not everybody is willing to step in the ring and put it all on the line. Um, so we got the best of what we could get. Um, and the guy, the guy is good, you know, and that's what I want. You know, I've been training hard. I'm come like, I have no ring rust. I have no excuses. So I have to put on a good performance. We've got some tasty names here at super middleweight in Ireland. We, but, uh, we had a few backwards and forwards in social media a few weeks ago as well. Somewhere eventually along the line, I, I'm guessing you'd love to have one or all of them, but are we likely to see any of them? The only person that said yes to fighting me or the only two people from Ireland would be JJ and Paddy McDonough. They yeah, they're, <laughs> they're the only ones. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't care. You know, they're the only ones who, who didn't have to think about it. Just say, give me, give me a day, give me eight weeks, and whenever the fight is, I'll be there. You know, and they they don't say, yeah, I'll fight him, but I want twenty thousand, or yeah, I'll fight him, but I want I want the pay per view show or something crazy like that. That that's never gonna happen. You know, mm. yeah, you're right. That would have never happened. That would have never happened before COVID. Never mind now when things are so hard, fighters should be happy to get out there and, and get a fight. You know, like you see so many fighters that haven't done anything in so long and they get the, they get offered the opportunities, but they're too scared, you know. But you keep waiting, you keep waiting. And Craig McCarthy is a mandatory for the Irish title, as he tells us every day. Uh, I wouldn't mind fighting him. Maybe not for the Irish title, but some, something bigger, you know. Uh, I think it'd be like with his record and all that, and with me, if I keep building the way I'm building, like it would be, we could go bigger, you know, we could go bigger than Irish title, even or, or even do a few titles, you know, even if we do the Irish title and something else. But 
I did. Where did that like come it. from? Because you you guys would be you'd be stable mates almost, would you? You would have. Been, it seemed to arrive out of nowhere. And, and to be honest with you, I was wondering, was it even real at one stage? But uh, it was. It was. There was a bit of it. It, it kind of blew up out of nowhere and went, went quiet. And again. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just, you know, I don't talk. I, I just have fun with the guys. Um, you know, just something to do. Uh, but uh, we offered the fight to Craig McCarthy and we also offered the fight to Chris Blaney. Um, a few thousand euros to fight me over in Poland on a tele- televised show. Um, and they both said, no, they want a bigger offer. Better this, better that. And where have they? That's, see, that's the thing in boxing. We offer them three or four thousand euros to fly them out to put them on a put them on a TV show in Poland, and it wasn't good enough for them. Where have they both gone since? Chris Blaine is retired, and Craig McCarthy has a fought and doesn't look like he's going to fight. Yeah. So that that's where I'm saying is take the opportunities that come because if they don't, like they're not going to come again. That's why. Any fight, any fight at all. Conor rings me, says, this guy wants to fight you. I say, let's do it. You know, I never say, maybe. I never say, oh, ask him for 20,000. I just say, let's do it. You know, that's what I'm in this game for. You know, I can I can go fight anybody tomorrow and uh, win, draw, or lose. I fight. Um, it's a good experience. It's fun. I enjoy it. And then... If I lose, I lose, and I and I build back up. If I win, then I'm in a great position, you know. To your eternal credit, and to Connor's credit, and to the lads, I believe this is the rewards are going to come a lot sooner rather than later because the likes of Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren and those guys, they're constantly looking for fighters. You're looking for lads that are busy, that are fit, that are entertaining fighters. And now with this, the way it is, the, the, there's not as much pressure on the away fighter. I don't want to call them. The away fighters can come in now and, and give good accounts of themselves. We saw Eric Donovan do it. We've seen quite a few do it over the last while. So you just don't know what's around the corner, do you? No, exactly. And, you know, with me, I've always been the away fighter and I will always be the away fighter. So no matter where I go, I feel like the away fighter. So it doesn't really matter. You know, um, you just, yeah, like Eric, Eric done a great, great fight on Sky Sports. You know, really, really, really put himself out there. And, you know, he lost, but, you know, he, he he didn't die. You know, like that's what people think is going to happen when you lose or something. He's going to fight for for a title again now, and that fight done more for him than fighting twenty journeymen on a small hall show. You know, so even though he lost, but he got there. He went on a big stage. He showed what he was able to do, and he wasn't that far behind. You know, um, he was doing great. He he put up a great fight. You know, and and he came bounced back from a great. So. That's just that's all it is. Yep. You go, you take the opportunities, you lose, you get a few wins, and the opportunity will come again, rather than just waiting and waiting and waiting. You know, if you're taking boxes for fighters, there's a few of them that come to mind. Attitude, tick. Approach, tick. Ability, tick. He's got them all. He's a tremendous fella. Vlad, thank you for your time. Boxing aside for a moment, in these times, the approach, the outlook, everything about... How he approaches his, his everyday is, is refreshing. and It's a lesson to us all. I want to thank Vlad for his time and for allowing me to tell his story and for telling me his story. Not many, not everybody, it's not everybody's style, so I thanks for that. I enjoyed it immensely and I look forward to seeing your reaction and your feedbacks to it. 
a few bits of information and bits of news, I guess, before we go. Don't forget the weekend. We've got Big Stevie Ward is fighting the mountain, of course, from Dubai. I'm going to have some links and clips and information from Aaron, who is running the show in Dubai. If you remember Belfast Aaron Bickercraft, he was on with me a few times. It's his gig. He'll be in touch. I'll be in touch with him over the next couple of days. We're hearing, of course, Conrad Cummings is due to come back soon. I knew that anyways. We'll hear confirmation of the Jason Quigley fight. And we're also going to hear lots of other information about Spike, about a potential fight with uh, Oscar De La Haya and who knows. Some cracking interviews over the next couple of days, as I said. You've got them all in the can. They're ready to go. But that's about it for me and them until then. I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for taking time to reach out, to get in touch. As I said in the middle there, if you wouldn't mind really, please get across there to like, support, share, leave a review on the iTunes. Spread the word, share the links, do everything you can. 21 is the key of the door, and it's the one that's going to open for us all this year. So keep the head up, keep swinging, keep the guard up, and whatever else comes or goes between now and the next episode, stay sane, stay safe, keep smiling. All's well that ends well.